listening to First Church Charlotte. We're so glad to see everyone and to feel the presence of the King. Brother Anthony's coming tonight to bring the word of the Lord. And so we're excited about that. Let's open our hearts to the word. Let's open our ears and our spirits to what Brother Anthony's going to bring us tonight. Let's thank God for his anointing already that's in the house. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let us hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God's good. Amen. Amen. God been good to you all week? He's been good to me all week too. He's good all the time. Amen. I am honored today. It is an honor to be able to minister to people. It is an honor to be able to bring the word. It is an honor to be able to stand here in this pulpit that I have watched. Men of God preach in for years now. Men of God that I hold very high. They minister to me all the time. I love them dearly. I am honored. I'd like to give honor to my pastor and to the bishop. Both of them are great, great men of God. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for their leadership, if it wasn't for their ministry. Um, amen. And it's an honor to be here with you guys. I love my church. I love the people in my church. It is one of the biggest honors of my life to serve God with all of you guys. Um, and uh, it, is a, it is truly an honor and a joy. Thankful to have my wife with me. She is my better half. She is my support. She is my strength. <laughs> Didn't nobody ask you, Sister Purple? <laughs> if, you, if you preach with me like that, just go by fast. <laughs> Amen. So, speaking of my wife, so I'm asking my wife about Christmas already because I try and plan everything out. And I'm asking her what she wants for Christmas. And she's telling me, she goes, oh, you know, she's batting her eyes. You know, those ladies do. There's something cool and sparkly and maybe something a little bit tasteful. And I'm thinking to myself, hoo-ha, yeah, bottle of seven up it is. <laughs> You guys got to pray for my wife. I'm crazy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Well, today, let's just go, let's go ahead and get into the word. We're going to start in Luke chapter 22. I'm going to start in verse 36. It says, Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said, Unto them it is enough. And we'll skip down to the same chapter, verse number 49. It says, When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? 
And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for your word. It ministers to us. Let it minister to us today. Help me, Lord, to communicate what is in my heart today to these people and encourage us all. Be with us tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. So, here we are. We know, and because of John chapter 18, that of the, the ones that were with Jesus, the one that pulls out the sword and, and smites the... Uh, servant's ear off was Peter. We, we, that's, we learned that for sure in John chapter 18. So Peter, Peter's a zealous follower of Christ. He's got a passion for God. He's got a passion for the things of the Lord. He loves Jesus. He's zealous. He's, he's overly zealous at times. Right. In fact, in the same chapter, Luke 22, earlier on in the then the text, Peter confidently declares unto the Lord his zeal when he tells him, "I am ready to go with you to prison and to the grave." He's ready to die for the Lord. He's ready to go to prison for the Lord. Now that's that's some passion. That's zeal. That's he's got this inside him. This fire inside of him. And Peter, you know, he's, he's on the Lord's side. If we're going to have sides here, he's on the Lord's side. If Moses were to come down from the mountain and say, who's on the Lord's side? Peter's going to be lining up over there where Moses is at, okay? He's on the Lord's side. He's ready to fight. He's ready to die. But his zeal is unchecked. It's, as it were, misguided. Because his, his spirit should I say, is not subjected to the prophet as it should be. And, you know, zeal, zeal for God is a wonderful thing. I hope everybody were to have zeal for God. They'd have a passion for the word of God and for the things of God. You know, people with passion, people with zeal are the ones that will make that effort to come on a Wednesday night service. People that have a love for God. It's a good thing to love God. It's a good thing to love his word and to want to hold it close to you and, and, and fight for it and be willing to die for the Lord and his cause and for the kingdom of heaven. Those are good things. There's nothing wrong with zeal. But Paul makes it a point to tell us in Romans chapter 10 that zeal without knowledge can be a dangerous thing. You, 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 he wants you to have zeal, but he wants you to be able to know how to use it. He wants you to know when you should use it, when you should be reserved, and how to use the zeal that you have. So here's Peter. He's passionate for the Lord. He's a passionate follower of Christ. And Jesus says, he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. And this passionate follower of the Lord... This lover of Jesus' word sees a sword. He goes and he picks it up and he totes it with him over to Gethsemane. But when he gets there, he falls asleep. Now, Jesus is in the garden having a battle. He's fighting. The Lord's fighting 
And Peter's got a sword and sleeping through it. He's sleeping through the real fight. He's sleeping through the real battle because he doesn't quite understand what the Lord's talking about. He doesn't quite get it. And so he's sleeping. Jesus is in there pouring his heart out to God. He's just pouring his heart out to the Lord. He's saying, not my will, thy will be done. Not my will, thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. He's, he's pouring his heart out to God. He's, he's encouraging himself in the Lord. And he, but he's doing it alone. And all of his followers, all the disciples, they're either not there or they're sleeping. All of the ones that pulled out the, the swords and are not there, they're sleeping. They're not fighting this battle. This is, and this is where the real battle is going to take place. Right here in the spirit is where the real battle's taking place. But they're not understanding that. And they're, they're thinking there's physical battle to come. So they've got their swords and they're okay. They're, you know, they're going to sleep this one off. And then when Jesus is finished, when the real battle's over, that's when the soldiers come. That's when the soldiers come, and then that zealous follower, Peter, that passionate man that he is, wakes up. And he's got this sword, and he understands. These people are going to try and take Jesus. And I just said, I'm going to die for you. I'll go to jail with you. All right, and so he whips that sword out and smites off that soldier, the servant's ear, the high priest's servant's ear, cuts it off. That passionate man that Peter is. See, Peter didn't understand the words of the Lord. He heard them, but he didn't understand them. He, he takes this sword and he wounds a man with the sword. He takes the word of the Lord, right? The Lord, word of the Lord said, go get a sword. And so he takes the word of the Lord, he misunderstands it, and then he uses the word of God to wound a man. He takes the word and wounds the man. And Jesus looks at him and says, put that thing away. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't know what you're doing. Put that thing away. When I was studying for this, I, I was studying, I, actually, my, I was going a different way. I was going a different direction. And this was going to be one of the examples I was going to use, but I kept coming to it, I kept coming to it, I kept coming to it. Because I keep reading that, and I'm like, man, he's using the word, and he's wounding somebody with the word. He's zealous, he's passionate, but he's using the word to wound. He's using the word of God. I was like, oh, man. And I thought to my, I asked myself, I said, how many, how many people in the church have been wounded by a passionate person who loves God, a zealous person who uses the word of God as a sword against them and wounds them. How many people? And I thought to myself, Lord, how many times have I been the zealous man who would use the word to wound somebody? How many times has that been me? See, it's easy to point fingers at Peter and talk about how he messed up. It's easy to talk when we're reading it on the hindsight, but it's harder to see that we do the same thing here, and it's easy for us to be passionate for the things of God and take the word and then take it out of context or take it in our misunderstood way and use it to wound another person. 
That's where Peter's at. He's wounding somebody by misunderstanding what the word of God says. How many of us have been there? How many of us have been the wounded? How many of us are the one that has done the wounding? See, the Bible clearly states that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. The Bible, the Word, truly the Word of God is a sword. It is a sword. Truly, the word of God is a weapon that can be used. But when I look the scriptures over, when I search the scriptures over, I am at a loss for scriptures that tell us to use the word as a weapon to wound another man. I'm at a loss for where it tells us to use the word to attack someone else, to put them down or to damage them in some manner or another. I can't find that when I look through the scriptures. In fact, I do find that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I read those sort of things. And then it, you start to understand why Jesus is rebuking Peter at that moment and telling him, man, put that thing away. Suffer that. You'll suffer this. But then Jesus heals the wound that Peter inflicted. We take the word. We misunderstand it. We misuse the word. We wound. And the Lord is the one that has to come in and heal what we did. He has to heal the wound that we inflicted by using his word to damage another person. And that's what the Lord does there. He says, you put that away. You don't know what you're doing. And then he reaches down and he heals the man. Jesus didn't cause that wound. Jesus's words didn't mean go out, pull this sword out and smite this guy's ear off. But Jesus is the one that heals the wound. Jesus is the one that reaches down and, and makes it better. Right. See, the problem isn't that we use the word as a sword. The Bible tells us to use the word as a sword. It tells you it's a sword and that it's a weapon of your warfare. He wants you to use the word as a sword. The problem isn't that we use the word as a sword. The problem is, is that we'll use the word as a sword against our neighbor whom we're supposed to love. We'll use it against our brother. We'll use it against our sister. We'll use it against another person. But the word says that that's a spiritual sword. And it's meant for the enemy, for the principalities in high places. Yeah? It's, it's supposed to be used as a sword. The problem isn't that we use it as a sword. The problem is who we use it against. And it's a weapon, and an incredibly effective weapon against the enemy, the devil. The Lord uses it when he's being tempted for 40 days. He uses it as his weapon. Right? In fact, the Bible tells us that the Lord will slay him with the breath of his mouth. It says that at the end time, that the Lord, not men, but the Lord, will make war against the unrepentant with the sword of his mouth. 
his word is a sword. It's a weapon. It can be used in that way. But the Lord is the one using the weapon. He uses the weapon, and the only time he tells you to use it or me to use it is when we're dealing with the enemy, whether it be through temptation, whether it be through some sort of attack of the enemy. Use the word of God as a sword. It's meant for that. That's what it's meant for. But it doesn't tell us to use that against a person. Surely the word is a sword, but more than that, the word of God is the bread of life. Amen. We need to use the word as a sword against the devil, but we need to use it as a source of life to our neighbor. We need to use it as a source of life to our brother, to our sister. We need to use it as something that can encourage someone. When we start using the word of God like life, see the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, it is life. Literally, it says it is life. It says the word of God enriches our lives. His word adds length of days, long life, and peace to us. The word of God is life to them that find it and health to all their flesh. That's what the word of God is. That's what it says of itself. The word of God is life. It's a sword for when we deal with the enemy. But when we're dealing with someone else, it's life. It's life. How much more effective could we be? How much more effective could I be? How much more effective could our church be in this city, in our homes, in our work, in our friends that we would make, or everywhere we would go? How much more effective could we be if we would apply our zeal towards feeding the sheep the bread of life? We're not here to lead the sheep to the slaughter. We're here to feed the sheep the bread of life. All right, we want to feed them the bread of life instead of slaughtering the sheep with the sword of the word. See, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. We have the power to speak life. We have the power to speak death by the use of our tongue. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. And the Bible says that God desires no man to perish. He doesn't want anybody to perish, right? So what's that tell me? That tells me let's not speak death. Let's not speak evil unto our neighbor. Let's not speak death and condemnation to them. Because a lot of times the sinner, they're in this dark place already and they need someone to be a light to them. And if we come in there and we're speaking death to them and condemnation, that's not very uplifting. That's not, that's, it's the goodness of God that leadeth to repentance. It's the goodness of God we can come in and, and speak this doubt and death to them, but they need someone to come in and speak life. I need you to speak life to me. I'm lost. I'm hurting. I need someone to bind the wounds. I need someone 
to be able to come in and lift me up and encourage me. I look down and I'm, I'm downtrodden. My face is cast to the ground. Who will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help? Someone needs to speak life to them. They need the, someone to give them, feed the sheep with the bread of life. Amen. Let's speak life one to another. Let's speak life to the sinner. Let's speak life to him. Who's hurting today? Let me go speak life to you. Who's having a bad day? Let me come speak life to you. I want to speak life. I want to lift you up. I want to encourage you today. I want to make sure that you know God loves you. Uh, you might have messed up today five different times, but God still loves you. God's not here to, to cast you out. God's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And God loves you too. He's invested in you. And, and those sort of, that's what they need. That's what people are having a downcast day. That's what they need. Someone to say, man, God loves you still. He's invested in you. God's going to pick you up. He's not here to throw you down and make you feel worse. He wants to lift you up. He wants you to be encouraged. All right? Let no corrupt communication. This is Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification? That it may impart grace to the heavens. Sorry, to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. See, when we're going to use the word of God as a sword against our brother, we're going to speak evil to him. We're going to be malicious going to be mean, hurtful. It grieves the Holy Ghost. We don't want to grieve. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Speak life. He's here to bring life and life more abundantly. Speak life. You're the ambassador of the Lord. Speak life. He's looking for people to speak life to other people. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. So here's Peter He's denied the Lord now. Three times he's denied the Lord. He's, he's, he's gone off. I was talking with the bishop and uh, Brother Ernest a couple, couple months back. We were talking about this, and I can't remember which one of them said it. Um, it just probably wasn't me, because good things like this don't come from me. But uh, we were talking about this, this incident, and they said, Sometimes I wonder if Peter, when he's standing there and he denies the Lord, if he's so confused because he, he doesn't really understand what just went on. He doesn't really understand what he missed. That he really believes he doesn't know who the Lord is. And they ask, who, aren't you with the Lord? Oh, I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I, 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 don't, I thought I knew that man. 
but I I don't know that man. I wonder if that's kind of the place where he's at. And I wonder if when we use the word to wound somebody and then a conviction would come on us, if we don't, we're confused. Didn't you say? Didn't you say this? Didn't you say get a sword? Didn't you say that this was going to happen? I mean, aren't you supposed to come and, and bring the kingdom of heaven with you? And, you know, I'm confused. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I think, remember anymore. I don't know what I know anymore. All right? And he goes out. He denies the Lord. And he decides, you know what? I'm not cut out for all this stuff. I'm going to go back to go fishing. I'm going to go be a fisherman. Because I... I I don't know what that was. I don't, I don't even know what I was doing. I clearly missed it. I clearly missed the mark. I'm, I'm going to go back and do what I know. I'm going to go fishing. So Peter goes out and he goes fishing. He's out there with some of the other disciples. They all want to go fishing. Peter's fishing naked. That's what the Bible says. They look out there and they see Jesus on the shoreline. He's telling them, you know, cast your nets on the other side. They pull up all these fish. And then they say, oh, that's the Lord. All of a sudden, Peter goes and throws his clothes on, goes swimming out there to him. Gets all the way out there. Jesus got a fire going, got a fish out there. He's ready to eat. Peter just messed up twice, big. He's at three times, really, he's not even wanting to go to church no more. He'd leaving them. Jesus ain't mad at him. Jesus doesn't talk down to him, doesn't talk ugly to him. Jesus says, hey, come on over to my place. Let's go eat. Let's go have dinner. I know you done messed up. Let's go eat. They sit down there and they're eating and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter looks at him like, you know I love you, Lord. I mean, why else would I have tried to cut a guy's ear off that was trying to take you from me? I mean, if that's not love, I'm not sure what is. I mean, if y'all come into my house and try and take my wife, you're going to get more than an ear cut off, okay? (laughs) If that's not, why else would I do that? You know I love you, Lord. You know I love you. What does Jesus tell him? What does he tell him? Feed my sheep. You missed it. You didn't get it before. I'm not here to tear down. I'm here to build up and restore. I need you to feed the sheep, not tear it down. I want you to build something here. See, the devil is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the Lord is here to restore and to build you up and to encourage you and to have you to walk in a better way, to walk in a higher way. He wants you to be blessed. Amen. You can't be blessed and be desolate at the same time. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, standing for the word of God, standing with Jesus isn't about fighting the sinners. And it's not about fighting the unbeliever. It's not about fighting your brother. It's not about fighting your sister with the word. It's not about that. So the word can stand without you fighting battles like that in that way. 
There ain't nothing going to ever get rid of the word of God. Not one, not one tittle, jot, tittle, nothing. It's going to stand for forever. It'll be here long after we're dead and gone. It'll be here long after the rapture. It'll always be here. It's never going anywhere. Ain't nothing anybody can say or do against that. Nothing. And Jesus is more than capable of handling anything that comes his way too. He don't really need us. He wants us. He doesn't need us. All right. He can handle everything. He can handle more than we can handle. That's why we go to him. He's the salvation. He's the strength. He's my shield. It's not about that. It's not about using the word of God to wound somebody. It's about loving the sinner. It's about loving the unbeliever. It's about loving your brother. It's about loving your sister. It's about loving people. Love God, love people. Speak life, don't speak death. Speak love, speak peace, whatever's going to bring peace, whatever's going to bring joy, whatever's going to help somebody through. You speak those sort of things. That's what it's about. That's what being a good Christian is about. That's what being a follower of the Lord is about. It's about encouraging one another to good works. I want to encourage you to a good work. Amen? So he says, do you love me? Do you love me, zealous follower? Feed my sheep. Feed them with love. Feed them with care. Feed them with grace. Feed them with mercy. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, committed saint? Feed my sheep. Feed them. Show them my goodness. Show them my mercy. Show them my blessings that are abundant every day. Do you love me, servant of God? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Amen? Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.